you got a Bible this morning, 1 Samuel chapter 3 is where we're going to be. Can you guys hear me okay? Because I can get as loud as I need to get. I don't need amplification. You need me to get a little louder? Oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Nobody ever asked me to get louder. I'm about to get loud up in here. You have to ride the fader on that microphone in a second. 1 Samuel chapter 3, we are going to look at the life of Samuel this morning. This is kind of the culmination of our series in 1 Samuel. The message is entitled, The Calling of God. Let me remind you, 1 Samuel happens during the time of the judges. And so if you have, have read your Old Testament, there's an entire book called the Book of Judges that gives you a time of apathy from the nation of Israel toward God and his word. As a matter of fact, Israel was in the land of Canaan and they were supposed to drive out all of their enemies. God gave them this land, he promised them. It's a land flowing with milk and honey and yet you have a responsibility to go in and to clear the land and drive out those enemies of God that hate God and, and that will negatively influence you and your worship of God. And it's the same thing that happens to us. When we get saved, God has some things. He has a sanctification process that he wants us to go through. When you get saved, that's not the end of the battle. As a matter of fact, it's the very beginning of the battle. And as you, as you grow in a relationship with Christ, listen, if you're not any different today than the day that you got saved, you're not doing it right. There's things in your life and my life after salvation that God wants you to be victorious over. And so, and so if we're not careful, we'll develop the attitude of Israel and we'll become apathetic and we won't drive out the things that God has given us victory over. And those things will become a stumbling block and a temptation in our life. And if we don't drive them out by God's strength and God's power, we will fall into apostasy and we will begin to worship the things that God delivered us from. We'll, we'll worship false gods. We'll, we'll deliver false worship to a false god that doesn't deserve it. And we'll become susceptible to the influences of the world. Listen, we had a whole week of camp that talked about the influences of this world and how it's trying to, to devour not only our children, but our own lives. Man, and, and, and listen, it, I wish I could re-preach it. I don't have time to re-preach it. Man, the point is, when we don't deal with the things that God has put in front of us, and, and we get apathetic toward God's word, we will land in an apostasy in our Christian walk, and we'll be saved, and we'll sit in church, but man, we'll worship other things. We'll worship our children, we'll worship hobbies, we'll worship money, a job, a career. And listen, before long, our life will fall into anarchy just like the nation of Israel. And, and the Bible tells us in the book of Judges concerning the time of the judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That includes the nation of Israel. And friend, listen, it includes Christians today. Christians that are saved and have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ that don't have a king and that do whatever they want and whatever's right in their own eyes. And so that's the context of where we find ourselves in 1 Samuel. Now, 1 Samuel is a book of contrast. And if, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we, we looked at on Father's Day 
the contrast between a man named Elkanah, who was the father of Samuel, and a man named Eli, who was the father of Hophni and Phinehas. And we saw with those two fathers that one is a man that, that seems to be full of faith, and that's Elkanah. And listen, he had, he had failure in his life. He had two wives, and yet he, he was able to overcome his failure by faith. He led his family to worship God in Shiloh. And, and we looked at his example of a man that certainly had failure and yet was full of faith. And he led his home right, and he led his home to worship God. But then we saw Eli. And man, Eli was a priest. And yet, because of his, his, because of his bad walk, if you will, with God, because of the fact that he wasn't full of faith, he also had failure in his life. He let the lamp of God go out in the house of God, something that God said should never happen. There was a perpetual burning in God's house of the lamp of God before the ark of God. How'd you like to be the one guy? How'd you like to be the guy that God, God says, listen, this lamp shall never go out in my house before the ark. How would you like to be tagged with being the guy that let the lamp go out? And it's forever preserved in God's word that you're the loser that let that happen. I mean, that's horrible. And so he's not a man of faith. He's a man of failure. He, he's dependent on other people to hear from God, even though he was a priest. And he was given over to his flesh. The Bible says that Eli was just a fat dude. And I'm not, I'm not being critical to anybody. But, but what he was doing, God, there's nothing wrong. God doesn't measure BMI. Okay, but listen. <laughs> you got to understand what he was doing and his sons were doing. They were taking of the offerings that the people brought to worship God with. They were taking of those offerings for themselves. They used the ministry to feed their flesh. And if we're not careful, man, listen, we can be saved. We can be in God's house. By the way, both of those men were in God's house. One came to see what he could offer God, and he, he offered everything. He offered his son. One came into God's house to see what he could get, and, and what he got was an abundance of offerings and, and a perverted offering from the people of God. He, he, he profaned God's offering. And, and then last week, we looked at their children, and just as much as Elkanah and Eli have a sharp contrast. Man, listen, their children had a sharp contrast. Do you remember the story from last week? Like one, one had a son named Samuel, and Samuel had some significant things about his life, but then Eli had Hophni and Phinehas, these two boys that were priests. And what's interesting is that both of these boys, all three of these boys' story, started in God's house. They were all in God's house together. Sam, Samuel ministered in God's house, Hophni and Phinehas ministered in God's house. Samuel did not know the Lord. The Bible says of Hophni and Phinehas, even though they were priests, they didn't know God. They didn't personally know God. But here's where their, their story starts similar, but then begins to contrast. Both sets of sons began to make choices. And those choices lead to certain outcomes. And so listen, you need to understand that that. The power of choice in your life is significant. The choices that you've already made up to this day is what 
is what has gotten you where you are. And so, and so you didn't get here by accident. You made a choice this morning to come to church. You didn't just get here by accident. There, somebody made a willing choice to get up, get ready, take a shower, put on deodorant. Teens, are we still putting on deodorant this week? Okay, I'm just making sure. You made a choice and then you got here. It didn't happen by accident. And so these two sons began to make choices. Samuel began to worship in God's house. But Eli, excuse me, Hophni and Phinehas began to profane God's house. They didn't, they didn't respect his offering. They didn't respect God's people. They didn't respect their father. And because of that, the outcome of their lives, listen, were different. Samuel grew before God. Hophni and Phinehas were killed by God. And, and so here's what we need to understand from what we talked about last week. Your choices matter. And, and when you choose to worship God, it puts you on a path that's going to work out in your favor, even like we learned at camp, even if you suffer a little bit for the Lord's sake. But man, if you make a choice to serve your flesh and to refuse and profane the things of God in your life, you are making choices that will ultimately end in your destruction. Here's an example. If you reject the gospel of Jesus Christ over and over and over again, guess what? That's a choice. And that choice has, has a determined outcome and consequence. It, it's a separation from God in a place called hell because you have to pay for your sin personally. But listen, if you come to Christ and receive his provision for your sin and receive him as your Lord and Savior and his finished work on the cross, you have changed the direction of your life. It's a choice that you get to make. And so in those two sons' lives, man, we see the significance of choice. And so this morning, we're going to culminate the story with this thing called the call of Samuel. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we're going to read verses 1 to 10. I want you to just to follow along with me. You can also look on the screen. Even though we're kind of stripped down today, we do still have slides. And so, you know, because we can't have a sermon without notes and blanks. And so, and so there we are. So let me read verses 1 to 10. I'll pray, and then we'll get up out of here and eat some brisket. Let's, let's look at verse 1. It says, The child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see and ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep. And the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and he said, Here am I for thou callest me. And he said, I call us not. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not my son, lie down again. And Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord revealed yet unto him. And the Lord God called, the Lord called Samuel again, how many times? The third time. And he arose and he went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. It's like rinse, repeat, three times, right? And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he shall call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, 
And the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Let's pray and ask God just to give us a few things to learn today. Father, we need you. Uh, thank you for our families. God, thank you for our kids. Thank you for our parents. Uh, God, you're a faithful God. You, you bless us uh, with a heritage from you uh, and these families and, and, and these children. And, and Lord, it's just good to be together. And so, Lord, bless uh, the preaching of your word. And God, for even for our kids, God, I pray. Man, they understand, just like you called Samuel, you'll call them. There's, there's things you want to do in their life. Number one, you want to save them, but you want to use them. And God, help us as maybe older people in the room not be, not be so backslidden like Eli was that we don't recognize what's happening, that we're not sensitive to your moving amongst our people. We'll give you glory for it. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so real quick, if you got notes, does anybody need notes? Do you, do you guys grab notes? Does anybody need notes? Just raise your hand if you need notes. Uh, can we get one of the, uh, yeah, if one of you guys up front could just grab a couple of sets of notes. Uh, we also have notes for your kids. So if any of your kids needs notes, like special student kid notes, uh, raise your hand. We'll get you some kid notes. Do you need sermon notes? You need sermon notes? We'll get, we got one over here. We got one right, right up here. Anybody else? Just raise your hand real quick so they know where to bring it. Yeah, keep it up. Keep it up. Okay. All right. So if you got your notes, point number one is this. Let's look at the spiritual climate preceding Samuel's call. We've got to know what's happening spiritually when God calls Samuel. We've already mentioned that Israel is backslidden. They're apathetic toward God. They're full of apostasy. There's national anarchy. And yet, God still wants to call a man, a child, to do his work. And man, can I just tell you that even in the darkest times, and I'll get to that blank in a second, but even in the darkest times, God's always working. God is always at work. We learned at student camp that God is looking for a faithful remnant. And he's looking for men, he's looking for women, boys and girls who will answer the call even in the darkest days. And so God gives us a little bit of information about what's going on in Samuel's life and in the nation of Israel's life. He says, number one, this call came when the word of God was precious. That goes in your blank. Samuel's call came when the word of God was precious. And all you have to do is run that word through the Bible, and you find out that precious means valuable. It means costly. It means rare. As a matter of fact, one of the things that, that is called precious in the Bible is the very blood of Jesus Christ. Look at 1 Peter 1, it's on the screen, verses 18 and 19. Peter writes and he says, For as much as ye know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things, as of silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. So Peter says, silver and gold are just corruptible. Like, like these things aren't valuable they're corruptible. In God's economy, these aren't the most important things. But there is something that's precious. It's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And listen, that is the only thing that can redeem you from your sin. You can't give enough money. You can't do enough good works. You can't be a good enough neighbor. It's only through the precious blood of Christ. And we remember, precious means valuable but it also means rare. So there's only one man who shed his blood that is precious enough to redeem you from your sin. One man, the God-man, Jesus Christ. 
And so Christ's blood is rare and it's valuable and it's incorruptible. And can I just tell you, so is God's word. So is God's word. And, and Samuel lived in a time where God's word was precious. It was valuable. It was costly. And yet it was rare. And, and, and I'm just going to say it. Bro, listen, we live in a time where the true words of God are rare. Now, I know we have 600 different translations. We have more resources and religious writings and teaching available than any other generation. And yet, in this culture and in this generation, God's word is scarcely found. And so if you can find it, you better hang on to it. You better hang on to it. It's just like if you were in a desert, the most valuable resource would be water. Gold and silver wouldn't profit you anything. Water would be the only thing that could sustain, sustain you. And God's word is like that. It's precious, it's valuable, and it's rare. And so God, Samuel's call came at a time when God's word was precious. God's word was precious. Number two, it came in a time when there was no open vision. There was no open vision. And again, just, just by studying the Bible just a little bit, you can see that a vision was a type of specific revelation from God to man. God sometimes revealed himself through visions, okay? And all you have to do is study the Bible a little bit, and you got guys like Abraham. When God came to Abraham, he came to Abraham. The word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, it says in Genesis 15 and verse 1. In Numbers 12, it says that, that God's going to call up prophets. And he says that he's going to make himself known unto his prophets in a what? In a vision. Okay. And you see that in Numbers 24 with Balaam. This is an interesting story. Man, it, it says concerning Balaam, who was kind of a jacked up prophet, by the way. If you study the Hebrew, the jacked up part's in there if you, if you just dig down a little bit. But in verse 4, it says this about Balaam. He heard the words of God, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a what? A, a trance, but having his eyes open. That's interesting. And so God gives you a little mechanics of how that thing worked. Some of these dudes, man, they fell into a trance. They had their eyes open, but they saw the things of God. God gave them specific revelation. You see it in Acts chapter 10 with Peter. You see it with Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, it's, it's not expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. So God revealed himself at a certain time to men through visions. Now listen, in Samuel's day, there was no open vision. And listen, today there's no open vision. Because you don't need God's word to be revealed in a vision. You have God's word completely revealed in the Bible. And so, and so again, the parallels are very interesting. Samuel got called when the word of God was precious. Samuel got called when there was no open vision. And then number three, Samuel got called in the night. And, and again, man, listen, if you go back to that story, Eli and Samuel were both asleep. And night, all throughout your Bible, is a picture of the church age all the way up to the tribulation period. And so here's the point. 
Just like God called Samuel in the Old Testament, God, God has a calling for people today. And it's interesting to me that it's during a time of, of, of rarity of God's word, no open vision, and in the night that God wants to raise up a faithful remnant. God wants to raise up a faithful remnant. And so here's the key. In the most spiritually dark times, God continues to reveal his light to those who are willing to respond. The darker it gets, man, you need to understand God's still at work. Uh, like, I think some of us have forgotten that God's still at work. And I think some of us aren't even open to the fact that God would call us to do something for him. And so, and so that's the spiritual climate. Number two, we see the confusion concerning the call. And, and I won't read the verses again, but, but you, you do remember the story, right? Like, like God showed up to Samuel and he called him by name, right? Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel responded, responded, he said, here am I. But who did he run to? He ran to Eli. And how many times did he do that? Three times. So there was some confusion about God's call on Samuel's life. And, it, and it, it, finally, it finally hit the, the priest that, oh, God's calling someone besides me to do something. And, and so let's talk about that in your notes. Number one, Samuel was confused about the source of his calling. He was confused about the source of his call. You see, you see Samuel confused God's voice with Eli's voice. And that's not a hard thing to imagine because the Bible tells us that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Okay? But listen, and, and, and some of you won't even be able to hear what I'm about to say. You have to discern and understand the difference between your leader's voices and God's voice in your life. Now, God should use your leaders. But you need to know how to hear from God yourself. So if the only time you hear from God is Sunday morning during the sermon or Wednesday night during the sermon, you are confusing God's voice with man's voice. And, and listen, if you don't get that figured out, you'll never do what God's called you to do. Samuel was confused about the source of his call. Number two, Samuel was confused about the specifics of his call. Now, this is what's interesting to me. Three different times God showed up to Samuel. And it says that he, he arose and he ran to Eli. He arose and he went to Eli. You see, Samuel had no problem hearing a voice and jumping to action. But listen, here's the problem. He didn't know where to go. He didn't know what to do when he got there. But he knew somebody had spoken to him. And I think that's the way most Christians live today, by the way. Most Christians today know that God is trying to tell them something. There's something that they know. They sit under God's word and God's teaching. They sit through discipleship and they know that they're hearing something. They just don't know what to do with it or where to go with it or how to respond rightly. Hello? Or maybe it's just me. I don't know. But listen, Samuel arose and went. Now, he didn't know where to go. And he didn't really do what God had called him to do. And so here's the question for Samuel's life. Hey, what did God say to you? Uh, I don't know. And man, listen, can I, can I just tell you, that's an, important that's, a, that's an important question in discipleship. You know what we ask the people that we're discipling? What is God showing you? 
Not the lesson that I taught you as a human instrument. What is God showing you? And you know what? Most Christians don't know how to answer that question. They don't know how to answer that question. Because they can't distinguish between a man's voice and God's voice in their life. You had better learn to hear from God. If you were to ask Samuel at this point in the story, what did God say to you? He would say, I don't know what he said. He knew my name. That's all I know. That's all I know. What are you supposed to do, Samuel? I don't know. Where are you supposed to go, Samuel? I don't know. And I think that's the case with many Christians. And here's the key that we have to understand. Activity in your calling can't replace clarity in your calling. And here, here's what I'm trying to, to drive home right now. We need to know the source of our calling and the specifics of our calling. And listen, that clarity only comes from God's word. It only comes from God's word. It's more than just knowing that you've been called. Hey, God knows my name and he called me. Okay. What's he called you to? What's he called you to? What are you supposed to do? Well, I don't know, man. I know God's called me. Well, God doesn't operate in, in the realm of ambiguity. He has very clear instructions for every one of us. And by the way, he had very clear instructions for Samuel. Samuel wasn't at a place to hear God's word. He's confusing the source of the call, but he was real quick to get up and run. I know a lot of Christians, man. Listen, and maybe you're in this room and maybe you're watching online. I know a lot of Christians that can't hear from God personally, and yet their life is full of busyness. It's full of running and going and doing, and yet they have no clarity about what they're really supposed to do from God. That's dangerous, friend. That's dangerous. Don't confuse activity in your life with the clarity of your calling. How do you get the clarity? Well, it comes from God's word. Amen. It comes from being positioned to hear God's word. Let me also go on the record to say that, listen, Jay or Cody is not going to call you into ministry. Jay or Cody is not going to call you to be a pastor. Jay or Cody is not going to call you to serve in a particular place to a particular people. That's God's job. And so Samuel at this point is a little confused, like we all are. What he needs is clarity. And so number three, that leads us to the confirmation of the call. Because all of our points are brought to you by the letter C today. The confirmation of the call. Look at verse 8 again. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and he went to Eli. And he said, Here I am, for thou didst call me. Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Now listen, Eli is so jacked up. And yet, he still had enough wherewithal to realize that God's calling this dude. God's calling this child. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be that if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord. For thy servant heareth. By the way, that's a different response than Samuel had been giving God. Every other time, God said, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, here am I. Here am I. Here am I. And Samuel said, no, don't answer like that. Answer like this. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went back to lay down in his own place. So here's the point. And let's go through this and just get some application. First, here's the key in your notes. 
God's call is always confirmed through multiple witnesses. God, like I, I've known dudes that have thought they've missed God's calling on their life. But listen, when God gives you three and four witnesses and three and four times that he comes to you, listen, you're not going to miss it because God wants you to know what it is. It's not this just one verse, this one service, this one prayer meeting, this one experience, and then, oh, I forgot, and then I missed it. No, God's not like that. Man, God confirms his calling through multiple witnesses. We see it in Peter's life in Acts chapter 10. When Peter was supposed to go to the Gentiles, God dropped this, this sheet out of heaven, and it had all these unclean animals in it. And God told Peter, hey, arise, kill, and eat. Like what we're about to do to this pork in just a second. All right? And listen, Peter, Peter didn't get it the first time. And so God gave him the sheet full of unclean animals the second time. And then he did it the third time. Why? Because God wanted to make sure Peter understood this is what I called you to do, to take the gospel to Cornelius, who's a Gentile. Man, and there's, there's a ton of other examples. Balaam. Uh, the story of Balaam, the story of Elijah and, and the dead widow's son, a widow's dead son. Paul, even to the Corinthians, says in 2 Corinthians 13, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Here's the point. When God establishes something in your life, he's going to do it with two or three witnesses. He's going to do it with two or three witnesses. You're not going to sit through one church service and then just, man, I'm called of God to go fill in the blank. God's going to multiply his witnesses and prove it out in your life. And, and secondly, and this is the part that sometimes we don't like, God's call is going to be confirmed through established leadership. His, 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 his call was confirmed through established leadership. You see, the Bible says Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. And listen, we, we know that, that Eli is backslidden. We know that he is blind. We know that he's fat. Uh, excuse me, he's heavy, the Bible says. He's big boned. <laughs> he, he's not more than an arm reach away from the offering pot. You know what I'm saying? Where the meat's going in. I know we're all getting uncomfortable as we're about to partake of this food back here. So, but, but here's what you need to understand. As, as blind as he was and as backslidden as he was and, and as heavy as he was, God still worked through that man. God still worked through the leader. So here's the point. No matter how bad your leadership is, leadership is usually not the problem. And, and no offense, church. You know, you got me and Cody. That's who you got. That's all you got. Now, whatever you think about that, bad, good, or indifferent, truly really doesn't matter as it concerns to God's calling on your life. It, do, it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. God is big enough to take care of the leadership, and when it's not where it needs to be, God is big enough to intervene. That's what we see in this situation because God is going to remove Eli's house from leadership. A little bit later, we're going to see God remove Saul and his house from leadership. God's big enough to take care of the leaders. Amen? And so your calling, your calling is going to be confirmed through leadership, man. God's going to send a group email. He'll establish what he's doing in your life through two or three witnesses 
and through the leadership that you have, whether that's a discipler, a pastor, ministry leaders, God is going to use the people in your life, even if you don't think they're right. And so how, how did Samuel position himself to hear from God? And I think this is practical for all of us. What did, what did Eli tell Samuel to do to get his calling figured out? Number one, he said, go and lie down. And so for practical application, listen, how do we position ourselves to hear from God? Number one, we need to learn to be still and listen. That's a hard thing to do. I know some of you are freaking out because your kids are in here. Man, your kids are fine, by the way. Your kids are fine. But what you're freaking out is, man, my kid don't know how to sit and listen. Well, okay. They'll learn that. And guess what? You will too. You need to learn that too. By the way, the best person they're going to learn from is you. Be still and listen. Eli's counsel to Samuel was, okay, hey, go back to the place where God had already spoken to you. Let me talk to our camp kids for a second. I think some of you had a good week at camp. And probably some of you realized, man, God is real. I heard God speak to me this week. But listen, God speaking to you is not dependent on a zip code. In other words, man, every time you want to hear from God, you don't have to drive an hour and a half to Pisgah, which, by the way, is in the middle of nowhere. Go to nowhere, take a hard left, and that's Pisgah, okay? There's a trashy Dollar General that has, you know, Oreos and really crappy bacon that you can get at 10 o'clock at night when you're hungry and whatever, okay? I'm just saying there ain't a Waffle House out there. There's not a Walmart or a restaurant open late. And for old people that, you know, don't like camp food, that's a problem. Okay. But I'm, but I'm just trying to say that your, your ability to hear from God isn't based on an experience. Man, you don't have to go to a stinky cabin with cold water to hear from God. It, the reason you heard from God is because you got alone and you wanted to hear from God. Man, that's true for all of us. I think a lot of times we go back to an experience. Man, God showed me this when I was here or there or what and that's fine listen but God's really interested in speaking to us if we would just be still but most of us are so man excuse me ADD we can't put the phone down we can't turn Netflix off we can't focus for more than five minutes in the Word of God and in prayer and we wonder why we're not hearing from God be still and listen and that's what Eli told Samuel and that's what we need to hear number two the way you hear from God is that once you're still and ready to listen you need to settle the issue of having a submissive heart because Eli tells Samuel okay listen if God speaks to you again thou shall say speak listen Lord speak Lord in other words, what he tells Samuel to do is to acknowledge God's lordship in his life. Now, that may be a limitation of why some of us don't hear from God. Sometimes we're not still enough and listening enough 
But some of us, listen, we haven't settled the issue of our heart that it's the Lord that's talking to us. We just, Jesus is my BFF. He's my homeboy. He's my buddy. Man, friend, listen. Yeah, for sure, whatever. He's God. And, and no offense, you and I ain't. And listen, when, when you don't prepare your heart to receive God's word and have a submissive heart to whatever he says, you, you truly aren't ready to hear from God. You see, some of us, maybe not, we may not hear from God because when we show up to church, our heart attitude is, hey, I want to hear what Jay has to say. You've already missed it, friend. I want to hear what Cody has to say. I want to hear what my discipler has to say. Give me the sermon, Jay. Give me the sermon, Cody. Give me the children's ministry uh, sermon and lesson, Cody. Uh, Colin, listen, give me, you're looking at a man, and God wants to bring you his word as the Lord. Man, Samuel had a desire to say, speak, Lord, which leads to the third point. Samuel was ready to hear God's word because he was ready to serve. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And, and, and I don't know if that jumps off the page like it does to me, to you, but listen, it seems like Samuel's heart is, I want to hear from God. He is the Lord, and whatever he says I'm going to do, I'm going to serve him. You see, a servant is ready to respond rightly to the instruction given from his master. If you're not ready to walk out with what God has for you, you're, you're really not interested in being his servant. And by the way, you can sit in his house every week, just like Eli did. Just like Eli's sons did. But it, take, it takes somebody with the right heart to be willing to listen and respond in service. That's what a servant does. He understands that he has a master. And that master calls the shots. That's how we hear from God. And so that was the instruction back to Samuel. Hey, listen, go lay back down. Be still. If God calls you, tell him, speak Lord. Acknowledge his lordship in your life. And whatever he tells you to do, just go do it. Go do it. So, so that leads us to point number four. We're almost done. Look at the consummation of the call. So look at verse 10. Look at how this thing plays out. Verse 10, you'll have to, you'll have to follow. I think I got a few of the verses on the screen. Look at verse 10. So the Lord came and stood at the other times uh, and called as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, what did he answer? Speak, for thy servant heareth. Okay, he, he used the right prescription to hear from God. And then God continues his conversation with Samuel. The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I began, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever. For the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. 
Man, how, how would you like that calling? <laughs> he tells Samuel, uh, here's what's going to happen. I'm about to judge your mentor, the priest in the house of God. I'm about to judge his house and wipe them out. Well, that ain't what I wanted to do in ministry. I just wanted to serve kids, man. I didn't want to tell people hard things. I just want to make the coffee. I don't want to get anybody's grill. I don't, I don't want to be offensive. Listen, you need to understand, biblically, Samuel's calling was a threefold calling. And, and it's in your notes. We covered it last week. But, but he was going to be a prophet and a priest and a judge. And all three of those point and illustrate the person of Jesus Christ. Samuel's ministry mirrors the ministry of Christ. And so listen, God gives him all the details. Now remember what he said, speak for thy, thy servant heareth. So what that means is now that God has called him, he's got to be faithful to his calling. So look at verse 15. It's not on the screen, but just look in your, in your Bible. Look at verse 15. And Samuel lay until the, the morning, and he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Can I, can I just, this isn't in your notes, but it's probably worth writing down. Fear is the greatest immobilizer to God's calling on your life. Fear is the greatest immobilizer to God's calling on your life. In other words, once you know what God wants you to do, your natural tendency, your human tendency, is to be full of fear. Instead of being full of faith. And some of these men know, because they have a call of God on their life. They understand. They know. And so, and so man, Samuel feared. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he answered, here am I. And he said, what is the thing that the Lord hath said unto thee? Hey, man, tell me what God said. Oh, you want to hear what God said? Now, Samuel's in a really difficult spot. Just like you and I are. Because he has a message of judgment and destruction. That he has to deliver to Eli. But if he's going to be a faithful servant, well, that's what he's going to do. What is the thing the Lord has said to thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee uh, more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. Look at verse 18. And Samuel told him every wit and hid nothing from him. Samuel had a responsibility to communicate every single thing that God told him. He had a responsibility to do what God had called him to do. And listen, Eli's response doesn't have anything to do with anything. And when God's got a call on your life to do something for him, to be a representative for him, to be an ambassador for him, and by the way, you do have that calling if you're born again. 2 Corinthians tells us that. Your responsibility and my responsibility is to be a faithful witness in our calling and to tell the words of God to the people that need to hear it regardless of their response. 
And so, and so look at Eli's response. He said, it is, it is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. Because Eli knew. Eli knew yeah, what he's saying is right. My house is about to be judged. My kids are about to be killed. I'm about to be removed from the priesthood. God already warned him of that, by the way, back in chapter 2. Samuel was a faithful witness. Samuel was a faithful man who had a call of God and did not hold any of God's words back from the intended audience. So how does that shake out for us? Well, listen, let me ask you a question. Do you share the gospel with people? Do you share all of it? Or just the nice parts? I mean, I mean, three-fourths of it's bad. Christ died for our sin. He was buried. I mean, I mean, he rose again the third day. But listen, but listen, most of it is negative. That we have a sin problem that can only be restored and reconciled by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You're not sharing the gospel, no offense, friend, if you just invite people to church. And that's a cop-out to your calling. Man, don't cop out your calling. Invite people to Christ. Tell them what God said. Hide nothing from them. You say, I'm afraid, man, there are going to be people in this city that know all about community fellowship, but know nothing of Christ. God help us, man. Well, well, it's because it's easier just to invite people to church than to tell them what God said. But, but listen, if we said that we're servants of God, we'll be faithful with the message of God. Look at the last thing we're done, the culmination of the call. And we touched this last week, so we're, we're really done, man. Verse 19, Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground, man. Because of Samuel's obedience, and he, he continued to grow in his relationship with God. He continued to grow in favor with men. And listen, God's presence was with him. Why? Because he was just faithful. And he was just faithful to what God had given him. And so listen, church, man, listen, I, I know, I get it. You say, man, that's hard. That's a hard thing. Well, Samuel was raised up in a hard time. You see, God needed to use strong men in a dark day. And this dude was just willing to do what God had called him to do. Man, he was, a, he was a man of integrity and faithfulness to God's word. He wasn't scared to walk in his calling. And he wasn't scared to position himself to hear from God. And I hope something in that man encourages you and challenges you. You know, the danger in our culture of Christianity is that we just go with the flow. And man, the word of God is so precious in these days. I know there's a lot of preaching. I know there's a lot of YouTube you can watch. I know there's a lot of resources you can get. But man, the reality of God's words, man, they're precious. A lot of pulpits have let the light go out. And there's no light, there's no power. And you would say, man, this is the hardest time in Christianity. Why couldn't I have been born like in the 1600s when people could just walk into their factory and preach the gospel and hundreds of people get saved? Well, well God let you be born now. 
in his providence, he let you be born now in the darkness and the spiritually blind time of no open vision in the night. That's when he lets you be born. And, and, and can I just tell you, he wants to call and use you for his glory. But we've got to be like Samuel, man. We've got to respond rightly to it. We've got to respond rightly. So I hope that's an encouragement. Let me pray for us, and then we'll, uh, we'll get up out of here. Father, thank you for your word. I pray 